Get woke. All right, man. So I got a little late pot tonight. Uh, I got my guy, Sean, uh, my guy from the catch up, my guy who, who's at fan sided now. And we're going to talk hoops because we both enjoy hoops. And I am a Hawks fan and he is a Sixers fan. So we thought that it would be appropriate to discuss the last series just because we were like texting throughout the whole time. And we, we, we're doing it late because scheduling and all of that stuff. And we didn't want the topic to like go get away from us. And it's like, yeah, let's just knock this out. So it's 11 o'clock Eastern time. I just got done watching the Hawks. Um, some would say steal game one from Milwaukee, but I actually think that they beat them. It, it wasn't much of a steal if you watch the entire game. So what's up, Sean? What's going on, man? Long time no see. I know, man. It was what, when we were talking post-draft maybe? It was NFL season at some, so it was at least a couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. That may have been like the last NFL pod that I've done. Like I've not. No, it wasn't even post-draft. It was just off-season because I didn't do a post-draft uh, NFL podcast. It's like, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, football, we still got a ways to, ways to go. At least you. It's not football season for you in Atlanta yet. <laughs> God, no. And I am and I don't even know if I'm looking forward to it yet. Cause <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know what we're doing down there. But, man, so I, I, was, I was trying to – I was – Going through some clips uh, yesterday or earlier today from what I did last night when I was talking about the process. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I remember talking about the process on our first pod. And I was looking to see if I put out that Philly should have drafted Jason Tatum instead of uh, Markel Fultz. Because I know I felt that. I know that I said it. But I'm like, do I have that on whack somewhere? Because people say <laughs> that I'm Monday morning quarterbacking it. But I'm like, no, I saw what Tatum was. And I'm like, bro, he's going to step into the NBA like day one and be able to score you 20 points per game. That's what Philly needed. They needed somebody who could score from the perimeter who was reliable. And I'm like, this is the guy. And in that, I did find, though, that I said the process was over back in 2017. Although it did peak a little bit when you all uh, acquired Tobias and Jimmy and Kawhi hit that crazy shot that would never, ever go in again. And you probably would have got to the finals and won a championship that year uh, with the injuries that Golden State had. If those injuries still happen, obviously, you can't predict that different team, different games. But Maybe. Uh, maybe. Our coaching still was suspect, but continue. Uh, suspect is nice. <laughs> but anyways... I get to be right because now we're here. It's 2021, and the five-seed Hawks put out the one-seed Philadelphia 76ers in seven games, won, what, three games in Philadelphia, which is yeah. absolutely crazy with y'all's fan yeah. base. And, um, and our home record. We had a great home record also. Y'all did, and y'all have historically had great home records and terrible away records, uh, road records because people say the team was immature and they couldn't handle themselves on the road. Those are other people's words, not mine. I, I don't, I don't cover the team. Yeah. Do they yeah man, how do you feel? Honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast up until today. I, I, I was like, I want to snap on here. Uh, it was, you know, the, this the feeling when a promising season and ends for any sports fan is very depressing. It, I mean, you you just you feel sick to your stomach, especially when there's more expectations. Well, I think you, I think you said it today, maybe, or maybe I saw it on Twitter. But it was like, I would have been fine losing to Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the next round. It would have sucked, but I would have been like, all right, that may at least makes kind of sense. This one sucks, man. 
losing one game earlier than than we should have. Um, a couple things stand out. One, I'll go positive, and then I'll then I'll go into a fan rant probably. Positive is Daryl Morey's at the head of the show, and I trust him to make moves and make some good moves. Um, he made some moves before the season that kind of put us, uh, obviously, at least in the regular season, more, better than we've been in years past. Uh, getting S- Seth Curry, who low key was probably our best postseason player. This man really earned his last name, I think. Um, who, who knows what we'll do with Danny Green, but he, he drafted Tyrese Maxey. I don't know how much of us you watched, but that kid's going to be good. Um, he, he might start next year. I mean, that might be our answer at, at point guard or in the clutch in the future. Um, and then, so so I have to ask you this, at least with game seven, did you watch the entirety of game seven, Hawks yes. Sixers? Yes, I watched it. What did, you, what did you think of the refereeing in the first three quarters? Um, I thought they were a bit too much involved. And I expected them to be involved towards you all. I was like, mm-hmm. really, you get the advantage. Like, we don't want an Atlanta, Milwaukee, Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the league is rigged, but I understand that it's a TV show. And right. better rating, it's better money, you know? So I'm like, uh, Embiid's going to live off the foul line. And then I go, oh, Trey's going to live off the foul line, too. Like, they're going to call a lot of bullshit today. Mm-hmm. And for me, it took away from the flow of the game. Like, I know you didn't catch any of game one today, but they let him play. Trey, I think he had 11, maybe 13 free throws. Most of those came at the end, up one when Milwaukee was intentionally fouling. Like, okay, they really let him play today. And I was expecting it to be a tight whistle, but I did not expect the whistle to be as tight to, uh, to help to benefit Atlanta and Trey Young. Okay. So, 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 and I guess obviously I'm biased, um, but generally I think the officiating has been too involved. I, I like the Brooklyn uh, Milwaukee series because they let him play, especially PJ Tucker, K, KD. Yeah. Um, and I like KD because he doesn't exaggerate flopping like a lot of our, our league superstars. But I like that series because the refs didn't meddle too much. I thought, especially from a Sixers point of view, I thought, the, I thought, especially in, in, in the second and third quarters, I think there was like, six or seven bad calls that went against us that really were rough. I think there was a flagrant on Dwight Howard that was called that I don't think it was even a regular foul. Uh, I think that was a reputation foul, which I guess he's there into a point. Um, but it was but just Dwight, unfortunate. Dwight does so much. And you know if Dwight's yeah. not on your team, you absolutely hate him. Then when he's oh, yeah. on your team, you tolerate him, and sometimes you like the stuff that he does because it works until he gets caught. Well, and, and it's unfortunate because – one of the big things after that, the Greg Monroe debacle of 2017, where like we took and beat off the floor in that Toronto series, and we, and we just had no backup for him. We had Greg Monroe, which who knows where he's at at this point, and maybe he's playing in, in Shanghai or something. But like we thought that this year going in, that we'd have Dwight Howard, he'd be a great backup for Embiid and throw out of the regular season he was. And then in this series, he got toasted. Whether he was, he was either hacking somebody to death or he was dropping rebounds out of bounds, but that was unfortunate. Um, it was weird, though. So I don't know how many he got, but Embiid, they, they just weren't giving him the contact they were giving him all year. They, they were allowed to hack Embiid, where I thought that they weren't, the Sixers at least, weren't allowed to hack Trey Young. Um, but I, I'll get away from my ref, my ref whining because no one wants to hear that. But I, I get that. 
And again, I'm coming from a totally different bias, but right. it's, it's the size thing. And I was telling my friends, like at game, I went to game six. It's a strength thing too. It's, I think the NBA rewards weakness a little bit, but continue. Joel Embiid is by far the largest human being I've ever seen up close. Like I looked at him next to Dwight Howard and I go, you are much larger than Dwight Howard, who is a really big guy. I'm like, right. Dwight's are, wide. Dwight yeah. has like wide shoulders, but yeah. I'm like, you are much larger than Clint Capella. Like, like it's not even close. So because yeah. of that, it's kind of the Shaq effect, the LeBron effect. Oh, yeah. you're, you're supposed to absorb this contact and get through it because of your size, your strength. And I mean, he has the footwork to 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 do it. He has the he has a skill set to overcome a lot of that stuff. And not that yeah. it's fair. Well, it, it was weird though because throughout the whole year he was getting these, and then especially especially like you're saying, like the body contact. At least I get some of that. But like he was getting his wrists, like when you get your wrists slapped and shit, that that's unfortunate. Um, though the one thing I will say from a Sixers point of view uh, <laughs> is, is that Trey Young, um, you had heard all year about how he, I don't know, at least earlier in the year, maybe before you guys got rid of Lloyd Pierce, that like his teammates didn't like him, and that maybe there was a little rift going on there. This guy, his shooting isn't his best skill; it's his passing. His passing is amazing. So I think that even when he went five for 23, he definitely had at least 10 assists. Um, he created so many wide open, a wide open looks against, I think the Sixers defense is probably top three in the NBA. And he created a lot of wide open looks. Um, obviously you had some guys catch fire like Kevin Herter in that last game or Gallinari who get, I think dude, Gallinari was really good. Um, he's going to earn himself some, uh, you got to sign him for a couple year deal. Cause that, that was a good signing. I think. I think it's a two-year. I would have to look it up, but it's not so significant that I'm going to do it right now. But okay, and, and then and then and then the the backup to Capella, Akongwu is that his name mm-hmm. from Chino Hills, I think originally. Um, yeah. He was better than Capella. He was active. He was playing big. I, I know he's not that tall. He's probably like six ten at max with shoes on. But like that kid was good. Um, so I think you guys have a lot of pieces. I don't. I don't get the John the John Collins type, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think he had one good game, and then he he, he talks a lot of crap, wears a t-shirt, but like uh, he, he didn't really impress me too much. Um, he was Lou big Williams. Today. What's up? He was big today, like super. Was big. he? Okay. He had a nice double double. We were down four, I believe, and he hit a he hit a nice clutch corner three after like two offensive rebounds. He does right. a lot of timely stuff, like. The dunk on Embiid, even though we didn't win game six, mm-hmm. it y'all were on a run coming out of half, and it kind of slowed down the momentum. You know, he he does he's he's a timely high, very high-end role player who's gonna get a max contract in Atlanta. Well, well, so he hit a corner three against us that was very timely too. And I think that shot might be like what separates his like what the trajectory of his career will go as his distance shooting goes. Because I feel like I feel like if he can shoot the ball well enough and, and keep people honest, he has a lot of bounce. I don't know. His handle's not that great, and he has zero post moves, and I think he's not hes not very good of a defender. But, like, if he can shoot the long ball, kind of, I feel like it opens up your offense. It kind of um, – I feel like that that's kind of where his game goes. If his shooting gets better, he can be very good. If it isn't, I feel like he won't. But um, it was interesting too. I don't know if you noticed this. They kept Lou Williams and Trey Young on the floor at the same time. I believe is at the at the end of Game Five uh, to seal that comeback. It was something that I never thought I'd see any coach do. And it was kind of like the it was like the this is the moment where I realized Doc Rivers was being out coached by Nate McMillan. 
Because it was like, traditionally, these are two guards that, you know, they're not going to be able to stop anybody on defense. But, you know, the playoffs, people try harder. They're going to give more effort on defense. And, you know, Ben Simmons isn't going to exploit anyone's defense, um, unfortunately. Uh, but that was crazy. That was really unconventional. Um, so I thought I thought that was the moment where I was, ah, oh, crap, they have the better coach also. You know, you talk about coaching, and I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on some of your dot criticism that we talked about privately. Um, mm-hmm. I think this playoffs we have seen just some amazing coaching from some unlikely figures. You know, Ty Lue has never gotten his credit for being a really good coach. Yeah. It's oh well, he had LeBron. Well, guess what? Phil had MJ, Scotty, Kobe, Shaq. Like Popovich had Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Like the best coaches had the best players. Um, I, I said last yeah. night that um, that players and coaches are like uh, liquor and chasers, right? Coaches are chasers. <laughs> and you can have a, you know, a juice is fine by itself. But nobody's right. paying top dollar for juice. They're paying top dollar for a mixed drink. And we like some drinks by themselves, straight, neat, whatever it is. But when yeah. you have that perfect combination of chaser and drink, coach and player, you you get the perfect drink or the perfect team. And the, the adjustments that Ty Lue has made by pe- playing his whole bench or or the established coaches like the Quinn Snyders, the, even the Buds, who we pick on, but Bud has been very successful, and the Doc Rivers, failing yeah. to make adjustments. Like, hey, bro, y- your right hook's not working. Switch it up. Now, for Doc, yeah. I don't know what much he could do when your go-to guy in crunch time is Tobias Harris or maybe yeah. Seth Curry, depending on the game, but usually Tobias yeah. Harris, he's your guy who can get the mid-range shot, who can get to the yeah. cup. And you're supposed to, despite having Embiid and Simmons, when Tobias Harris is your go-to guy in crunch time, you're supposed to go home in the second round. Well, so that's that's the one thing I think Embiid improved on literally everything this year. He was amazing, and and one thing I thought was so impressive was uh, yeah, his offense came and went, but in this playoffs, his defense was amazing. I think he guarded Trey Young on the perimeter sometimes, mm-hmm. and it, and he did a really good job. I don't think Trey scored a point on him. Um, but the one thing he can improve on is his clutch scoring. Joel hasn't been a very good. I don't think he's hit like a game winning buzzer beater yet, and he's had some chances. Um, so I think. I think as a big man, too, I think when you're not getting contact down there, it's hard to be a clutch scorer. But I think that's something he can work on, hopefully, this offseason so that Tobias doesn't have to be our go-to guy. He relies on a lot of back-to-the-basket stuff, too. Um, as for Doc's adjustments, the one unfortunate thing I, I, I wish he would have tried this more in the regular season is trying Ben Simmons at center because Dwight Howard played awful in the, in the second round. He was terrible against Atlanta. And I think that... So one way to alleviate Ben's issues also was to put him at center. Um, so he's surrounded by shooting. It, it kind of minimizes his his weaknesses and, and amplifies his strengths. And you also don't have to have uh, Dwight's uh, unpredictable style of play on the floor too. So I thought was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. He didn't try that. Um, also with, with our bench, Tyrese Maxey got a lot of a credit towards the end of the series. And I think that you should have had him in probably a lot more. I know he's probably like 19, 20 years old, probably pretty unpredictable on the road especially, uh, but he's very good. George Hill was a dud of a signing or a, a dud of an uh, acquisition of the trade deadline. It was, it was the Sixers' only big move at, at, the, at the deadline, and he he looked like whatever he is, a 36-year-old guy out there. He looked cooked. Um, 
at the end of that game. So I, I think that, that that was really unfortunate. That that was when we were like, ah, oh, we should have gotten Kyle Lowry. Like that really that really would have been nice. Um, so that was unfortunate. Um, it did seem like you guys had more bullets in the gun in terms of depth. Like you guys had more guys to throw out there that could at least get their own bucket. Uh, Gallo can get his own bucket. Herder, Lou Williams, John Collins. And, and I know you got – you were missing uh, – Oh, I don't think Cam Reddish is very good, but you were definitely missing Hunter a little bit. Um, but I, I think that our depth definitely came into play. What's up? I forgot Cam Reddish is on our roster. <laughs> Let's just ship him to New York so he can hang out with his boy RJ Barrett. You know, the last playoff game I went to before this one was was a long time ago because you know I just haven't lived in basketball cities in forever. And mm-hmm. it was a Dwight Howard Orlando game in like 2011, 2012. And, prime. Right. So I was talking to this little kid next to me. He was like 16 or whatever. We're just talking throughout the game. And I'm like, bro, it's so embarrassing to see Dwight look like this because the last time I saw Dwight, he came in here and gave the Hawks like 40-20 in a playoff game. And that's what he used to be. And now he's like a It was a sweep, right? Wasn't that a sweep? Probably. I mean, it was the Joe Johnson, Al Horford days, you know, not much, not much to actually care about. It was like, oh, we're going to get to the playoffs. We might get to the second round. We got to that one Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, this is the best This is the, the best moments in Hawks basketball since Dominique. So the best in my lifetime. I mean, did, did Dominique get to a Conference Finals? Didn't he get to, what, one? I think maybe one. I know he had that one um, battle with Larry Bird and went to game seven. But other okay. than that, we've been a we've been a consistent franchise. We just haven't, like – been good enough um, right I'm, I'm just curious if, if this is the best season you've ever had like is this this might be the best one I, I think it's the one with the most hope because obviously i wasn't alive in the 80s but do i really well, believe- here let's let's go back recently so that al horford was it when you guys had five all-stars in 2015 like the, yeah, that- the, the so you guys got swept in the conference finals but you didn't yeah. make it and we're going back oh wow okay I mean, you gotta go back to like the '60s and '70s. Yeah, that's the yeah. Thing. No, that's not modern basketball. This is the um, most hopeful the fan base has definitely been with the team. First win in the conference finals in the modern basketball era. So tonight was, I think, bigger than I think I even realized. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> you know that's like dope, but sad at the same time, man. But let's get yeah. back to the process. Yeah. So I pitched something last night, and I was like, just imagine if. You take if you take a um a Brandon Ingram instead of a Ben Simmons. Again, maybe it's my Duke fandom, but I was tooting the Brandon Ingram horn the whole time. I was like, yeah, Ben Simmons is like good, but he can't shoot and he didn't get to the tournament out of the SEC. Uh, I don't like that. And what Brandon Ingram has turned into, he's like 25, 5 and 5. And you can count on him to shoot the ball. You can get mm-hmm. a a a league average point guard to just initiate your offense. You know, y'all probably could have kept TJ McConnell. Uh, and just imagine yeah. if you had Ingram Tatum, which would have, which could have been available with the way that you all were tanking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And Bede, what, what does that team look like now? Um, Ingram Tatum and Bede. Well, it's hard to say because Brandon Ingram is still one of those players that's, all stats and the winning. And you don't know if those guys just aren't in a good situation like Devin Booker or if they actually can't make a team better like DeMarcus Cousins. Um, 
think but I think three coaches, three years. Zion <laughs> out. Yeah, it was family once out, allegedly. Um, I think surrounding and B with playmaking and shooting is never a bad thing. Um I think I think the one thing that's underrated about Tatum is his, his defense also. Like for all we want to say about Ben Simmons' defense, Jason Tatum's been an A A plus defender since he stepped into the league at age what was it? He's nineteen years old, that whole deal. Nineteen. Right. So he's been a good defender also. Brandon Ingram definitely hasn't. But if you surrounded Embiid with that type of shooting and you have an initiator, a point guard, uh, say you say you even signed Drew Holiday uh, this last offseason or something, something like that, just like a, a pretty steady uh, facilitator and a good defender. Well, you drafted Lonzo instead of Markel Fultz. Right, right. If they made all the – which Lonzo, again, also extremely good defender. Um, I think that team right there – uh, would be really good. It's just it's just one of those things where like, I guess now we trust Jason Tatum to be a, a like a, a superstar in the playoffs, especially. But like that just happened this year, right? Like or maybe last year. But like, I, I think this year they might have been good, but it would have been rough until this year, just because I don't really trust, including Embiid. I don't trust any of those guys under four minutes in the playoffs to be like. You need to score eight straight points, except for Tatum starting literally what a month ago. So I, I think, yeah, it would have been more well spaced. Uh, the system it would have flowed better as a bas a, a basketball system. That that's something that the Hawks and even the Suns, uh, when you watch them, it's like, all right, this is like flowing basketball. The ball moves, you shoot it, it looks nice. The Bucks and the Sixers, it's like clunky. Or it's like running into a wall over and over again. It's it's ugly hook shots. It's a lot of like rebounding and grinding. It's just, it's a different type of basketball, man. I'll tell you, I, I, I sent to a group text during the game. I'm like, it's hard to watch Giannis. Like he is a tough player. It is, especially in the playoffs. It, it's it's rough. It's a rough brand of basketball. And the worst part is you, you'd wish that Ben Simmons could do some of the stuff that he does. Like Giannis is like Sonic. He like winds up and then just takes off running at the basket and like, euros and it goes in sometimes and you go yeah dude how i mean this works because you're so long you're so strong but and the second jump helps for sure yeah, but this is ugly this is yeah. ugly basketball like when james harden said what he said what two years ago I, I was like yeah james you're you're right you're absolutely right but um you know even with the process and another, and one mm -hmm. of the, another criticism I had with the process was, as the game was becoming more of a three point shooter game, uh, a, a, a spacing game, it seemed like mm -hmm. Sam Hinky, the genius, um, wanted big men. Like y'all drafted Nerlens, y'all drafted Jalil, y'all drafted Joel, and I'm not knocking the Joel piece. But the other two are pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. I think the the mindset behind it. Um, I did a whole video on this. I'm I'm sure I sent it to you at some point. But like the whole the whole point was to draft assets. Like don't worry about what position or if they fit together or if they look good on the court together because they probably won't even take the court together. And that's that's the case with a couple of them. But like it was to draft the best asset as like a trade piece almost as as value not even a, not to make a basketball team and and yes that's i mean nerland's well has carved out somewhat of a niche in in the nba but it is weird that um 
it is weird that he didn't really, especially with Okafor. Okafor, that was the weirdest one. Um, and I know we all like, oh, Porzingis went after him or whoever, whoever did. Um, but it, it's weird that he didn't see that one coming. Because at least Nerlens has a place in any any time period of basketball. Okafor has one like strictly in like the late 80s. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it is weird. But he definitely, he, he just drafted them as value as opposed to putting together an actual basketball team. And I think you deserve uh, the bad basketball karma that you got for this. Because it's like, I, I get that players are assets. But when you're looking at building a team, no matter what kind of team it is, and you're looking at the the commodities as assets and not individuals that can build a team, you obviously don't value a lot of the a lot of the uh, intangible things that it takes to be successful. And now you have these early flameouts with a highly talented team because I think some of that dirty culture, is still in the locker room, man. Like one of the reasons why I want Matt Ryan gone from the Falcons is because mm-hmm. I want damn near every piece of 28 and three gone. Am I okay with keeping Debo Jones? Yes. He's a linebacker. Am I okay with Jake Matthews? Yeah. He's an offensive lineman. But as far as the serious contributors, like our quarterback who yeah. like, had the game in his hands, I want you out of here because you still have that smell on you. Hey, front office guys who are here. I want y'all out of here just because you have that smell on you. And the sad thing about Philly is, uh, uh, I would like to say that a lot of the, you want some of that process out of here, but Joel is too valuable. And you have Daryl Morey, who's going to make great decisions. I mean, Daryl Morey might be the best GM in the NBA. He just doesn't get the credit for it because he hasn't won a championship, but well, he'll go for it. He might, he might not even make the best decisions, but he's going to take a swing. Like he's going to, He's gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna not win a championship for lack of risk taking or trying. We'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. Right. And you and I were talking about this, and the more and more I thought about, it, I was like, "Yeah, Sean's right. Um, it's gonna take a lot to get proper value for Ben Simmons early off season, and it doesn't yeah. help that he's not gonna play in the Olympics, from what I've read. Um, Doc and yeah. Ben- well, I would say with that is that I think he needed one. He needed good PR. So I think he put out the statement, I'm, I won't play in the Olympics. I need to do skill building is what, what came out. So I think that's him announcing to the world, instead of the Olympics, I'll be shooting a million jump shots a day. So I think that could go either way, depending on if it works or not. Um, Doc and Daryl yeah. are speaking his praises now. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Like, I love, he's like, 25 GMs would like to be in our situation right now. And I go, y- y- you're right. Yeah. Um, but your expectations are different, you know. And then I saw I think Woj put out that um he's gonna consider shooting with his right hand this summer because apparently he's right handed, but but shoots with his left hand. And something like eighty percent of his finishes in the lane or his hook shots are all from his right hand. That's a Kevin O'Connor said, isn't it? Um, I've heard it a bunch of different places. Cause okay. you even heard that coming into LS out of LSU, most of his finishes at the rim or with his right hand, which I, I also think is overrated, and I know that Tristan Thompson did this at some point. I don't think it worked really that well. But LeBron is also left-handed and shoots with his right hand, and he's managed to to piece together a pretty solid jump shot. So I, I think it's mental. I think it's I think it's reps and it's mental. And I think Ben Simmons, both of them haven't. He hasn't put in the reps, and his mental kind of fell apart. So I, I switching the hand doesn't. I don't think that really does much for me. I don't know. We'll see. Right, and I, and I think the mental piece is big, man, because like I was telling you before we came on, 
being at the game and watching his demeanor going to the sideline, looking at him at the free throw line, especially when they do the hacker bin, it's like his soul was gone. And I usually don't like to get into players' heads because it, when I see it, it makes me sick. Like I went on a rant yesterday about uh, Rick Buecher, and I'll, I'll pitch that one to you a little bit later. Um, and then I hear Skip Bayless do it sometimes, and it's like, bro, you don't know what's going on in his head. You don't. But when you look at how Ben Simmons was shooting and the fact that he's he's passing the ball and, and layup and dunk opportunities, he's got the ball in the front court and he's not pushing, he's passing the ball. It's like, oh, bro, you, you don't, you don't, you don't want it. Like you're not shooting in the fourth quarter. Everything says that your confidence is shot, man. And it's really unfortunate because we thought Ben Simmons was going to be a top 15, a perennial all NBA type player like three years ago. Yeah, and I think he is. He's just a different type of all NBA player. Like he, he's he's a good player, but if you can only give me four points in a in a playoff game, you're not the type of player that you necessarily think a number one pick in the NBA draft is going to be. Um, and, and then to to add on to your his mental fell apart and the evidence of that and his demeanor and his facial expressions, um, his preparation also you can tell that he hasn't been putting in the reps necessarily or at least being consistent with it. So. I believe it was last year or maybe two years ago, his free throw. He had a, he had a stretch where he, he hit about 70% of his free throws for a couple of weeks. And it was, it was, it was noticeable, the changes, his knees bent, the elbow was in a little more and that that's gone now. Like, like it worked and you could tell he stopped practicing it because it went away. And you know, if someone works hard enough at that and you do it consistently, it becomes a habit. And he didn't do that because the knee bend was gone. The elbows is out here. Like how are you gonna how are you gonna do that? How's that gonna go in, in the basket? Uh, people were even saying you should go with the Rick Barry, the underhand, which honestly I think should be used more, considering that you know people like him and even Clint Capella, like you're so bad. Why not? Why not go with the underhand? It's I feel like it would work better. It see, yeah, it just is. It's corny as hell. I think that's the one reason people don't do it. Because Rick know, Barry was like a ninety percent free throw shooter. You want to know what's embarrassing? Mm-hmm. Shooting fifty percent or less from the free throw line—that's embarrassing. So, yeah. by any means necessary. So, yeah, I people think Ben is, Ben is going to move. He may not. You know the way Daryl's talking. It's going to be more of a reclamation project. But I also heard someone else say Doc's not really into reclamation projects. He's into having finished players and them playing, which shows by his only championship season. He had a finished roster who just needed some. Hey, you guys take a day off. Hey, uh, let's do a little bit of subbing here. Uh, Practices now, like kind okay. of thing. So, so what do you, what do you think y'all get for Ben Simmons? And who would you like to get for Ben Simmons? Being being real, don't tell me some like Bradley Bill bullshit. That's like some hot takey stuff. Something that's reasonable. No, I mean personally, I would keep him just because he's young and you, I want to, I want to see if he, he, if he means business, if he actually is going to practice his shot and we'll, and we'll know the moment he gets in the training camp. Like you'll know the moment he gets in, whether he's actually been putting in work because you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to, to get better than what he is right now, which is zero. So like, you, you know, if he gets a little bit better, it'll be obvious. Um, so I, I, I would say, though, if you really, really have to move him currently, like present day, right now, have to move him before the draft. Like, um, I, I'd say before maybe you you could you could have traded him for for 
CJ McCall, uh, McCollum, but I think now you even have to add a pick. Uh, like I, I think he's not even equal to that at this point. And CJ had a terrible postseason too. Um, maybe for the Bradley Beal thing, you'd have to put together a massive. You have to put him, Thibel, Maxi, and a bunch of firsts, and maybe then it isn't even enough. Um, is that even worth it for y'all? I mean, you kind of got the future. You kind of got our defense, but Bradley Beal is awesome. That dude's a bad man. I I, I watched him a lot this year, and he it makes me sad that he's not a good, on a good basketball team. Um, realistically, I mean, being in a who pick who? What's up? Being in a pick for CJ. That's about the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. He, and even he, that's that would give us probably one of the you go from having one of the best defensive backcourts and him and Danny Green to then Seth Curry and McCollum. That would be that would be awful. Yeah, but you still have Thibel. You, right. You, you hope that he can become a more of a three and D guy. And then you he find, played really well. He shot he the ball really well in the Atlanta series. Um and, and you'd be able to start him then because because Ben wouldn't be the shooting liability. So maybe. So that uh, I've been hearing this whole this whole Golden State thing, and I think it's been planted out there because Golden State must obviously be interested. Mm. But without being a capologist, I don't see why Philly takes on Andrew Wiggins or Kelly, maybe a Kelly Oubre. I don't know. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. What does James Wiseman do for uh, Philadelphia? He becomes an asset that you're going to immediately flip. Yeah. Um and how and we, do, and we don't want one of their current picks either. We don't want their like newest first rounders either. No, like, because they got what seven and fourteen, so that's they're not great picks. And yeah. y'all are trying to win right now. And also, how do you play Draymond and Ben Simmons? Like they're practically the same person. Uh, ben Simmons is obviously a better perimeter defender. I, I, I'd say uh better at the rim, but I still think Draymond is a better uh defensive uh captain a free safety type and, better communicator right and draymond uh you know his three is not what it used to be but i respect draymond's corner three or top of the key three way more than i respect ben simmons and how do you put both of them on the court no no I, that would that would be they would probably trade draymond if they got ben simmons because you can't have them on the court at the same time maybe you'd be able to have 2016 draymond on the court at the same time but absolutely that that guy that offensive that guy is gone offensively. And how would that how would that make Steph and Clayfield? You you ship Draymond out to bring in Ben Simmons, the 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 guy who doesn't work hard, the guy who apparently can't be told anything. He he, he thinks he's arrived, but he can't even uh he can't even shoot shoot a free throw or dunk on Trey Young. Like I don't know if that works well in the locker room. And let me be the 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 the, the your stereotypical basketball pundit, and he's a clutch guy. <laughs> yeah, well, that I mean, that does matter more than I ever wanted, would want it to. Uh, an interesting idea also would be like, w- would you trade him to Minnesota for Edwards or t- Towns? Uh, I mean, I, you could probably do it for Russell easily, but like, would, would they give up? Would they give up Cat for Simmons? I would not, but I would like to see Ben Simmons as a small ball five point forward ish. With D'Lo, who can play on and off the ball, and Ant-Man, who I just love to watch play basketball. Like, I know he's not yeah. as efficient as he needs to be yet. He'll get there. The Timberwolves suck. And when you're on a yeah. bad team, you shoot. But yeah. that would be exciting. 
they would shoot up my league pass rankings. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, you probably have to move. Maybe not move Tobias, but I feel like Cat at the four would fit well with the bead because he'd space the floor. Yeah, because he's not a he's, a he's a six foot eleven guard. Exactly, and he don't want nothing. He doesn't want even a part of being physical in the paint. So I think it'd fit really well. Um, that that would be interesting. I just a lot of these teams don't need a guy like Ben. Like like you don't need a guy. I mean, it, it's almost funny because I feel like. Like the Hawks almost needs it. Like that would be a spot, but they don't have anyone to trade for him. You know. You know, I heard, I heard somebody. I think it was on Simmons' podcast today. I can't think of the guy's name, but he said that he said that if you traded Ben Simmons for Trey Young, Ben Simmons for Trey Young, I think both teams get better. Huh. Now Atlanta's not doing that. We don't want Ben Simmons. He's not welcome in our city. And we would not let go of Trey Young for what he's doing for us right now and what he embodies as the city. Like, hey, Sean, he had he had like 34 at this point in the third quarter, right? He ended up with 48. And he ends up wide open on the wing for three. And, like, he catches it. He looks around. He's like, nobody's there. He looks again. Nobody runs out. He shimmies. <laughs> then he knocks down the three. And he was like, are y'all really not going to come out here and guard me? Like, I got 34 already. Like, it's the third quarter. Like, come out here. And just that flashiness, you know, the ice tray. Like, he is Atlanta. I I said in a group text today, Atlanta's turning into Gotham City with all of this crime and stuff going on, and he's the Joker. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he – it sounds like he's the exact way JoJo uh, Embiid embodies Philly. Just like someone who seems to get the city, a little showmanship. With 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 the production to, to back it up for sure. Yes, but um, yeah, Philly is is Philly's flamed out. It's unfortunate. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, no, good. It, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I think we can. Well, we're gonna obviously we're gonna be a with this nucleus. We're gonna be a good regular season team for the foreseeable future. But it's like from now on, any change you make has to be with the playoffs in mind. Absolutely. So let, let let's go to the NBA Final Four. Yeah. Uh, let's start out West because I think what's happening in the West is very interesting. You have two, let's say, maligned franchises, maybe, uh, for different reasons. The Suns were like ahead of their t- in our lifetime. You know, the Suns were ahead of their time, and yeah. if they did a little bit more of if they did a little bit more of that. Then they probably get a ring under Steve Nash. But now they're more like an old-school 90s basketball team with a point guard, a shooting guard, good solid wings, you know, and a good big man with defined roles. And it's working because that style of basketball works. It's it's The, the analytics nerds will, will say it's not as efficient, but it's it, it's it's more efficient. It's it's better basketball. It, they have a stretch four, at least. They do have a stretch four. We'll give them that. They have a stretch four. They don't have a traditional big man, but yeah. And... Then you have the Clippers, who I mean, they're gonna clip, man. Like Clippers, you know, probably they like getting was- down 0-2. They love getting down 0-2. Yeah, but CP3 is coming back for Game Three, and we haven't heard anything about Kawhi. I, I, I don't see them pulling the cat out of their hat this, or the rabbit out of the hat this time. It's that's been weird though, because they've been saying Achilles or ACL injury. Like, what else can you do to an ACL? You can't bruise it. You can just tear it. Like, right? Like, what else can you do to it? So it's like, they've been like, ah, it's an ACL injury. Like, all right, just say he tore it and we'll move on with our lives. Like, 
I don't understand why they're either withholding that information or just being vague about it like they have been. Like, I don't think he's going to come back. So, like, just say it. You know, it's just like the NFL. It's like, hold on. They may just have to take that extra time preparing, extra game plan. Like, no, bro. No. They're going to do what they do, man. Um, So, we had game one, which was a wild shootout. Uh, The Suns dominated for the most part. Then, towards the end, the Clippers got going. And we 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 were like, oh man, Devin Booker is has arrived. Like forty point triple double in his Western Conference Finals debut. Paul George kept everything going, cooking. And then in Game Two, we saw both of them kind of slow down, but they both hit big shots in clutch moments to um to put their teams up. Obviously, Paul George went five for ten for three and one for eight, or five for ten from the free throw line and one for eight from three. And, and, and 0 for 2 from the free I went 0 for 2 from the free throw line to seal the game. We got to put that out there. <laughs> can't can't miss that. So just looking at the series, looking at the injuries, looking at the, just the erraticness of Paul George and and Devin Booker kind of coming back down to earth but still being good. Um what are, what do you see happening uh, in the Western Conference Finals? I mean, I think Phoenix sweeps them. They're already down 0-2 and now their best player, Chris Paul comes back. Like MVP I know that, yeah. I mean, at least MVP of the playoffs so far for sure. I mean, uh, him and Trey Young basically. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's bad. I, I the Clippers aren't. I don't think they're going to be able to. They're dig the out of this one. The ball moves too fast in Phoenix. They all know their roles. Uh, two things from this series that the, this series highlights at least are that the mid range shot is back. Uh, Booker and P, PG went back and forth with a couple of them. Uh, it's funny, like in the playoffs, they they lock down the paint because they let you get a little more physical. They run people off the three point line. So what's open? The mid range shot. So it's like it, it's it's cool that that's back and that that's another a valued skill in basketball again. It's I mean that's Chris Paul's favorite shot. And then the big men. It's weird because the Clippers. I thought you'd think Serge Ibaka would have been great for them right now. Uh, Zubak or Zubach been playing the best basketball of his life in these playoffs. I thought, and same with Aiton. So it's cool that like two things that people thought were dead are back. Uh, the big man and the mid range shot. Um, Phoenix, I mean, we got to start with the. We also have to mention that we call it the valley oop. The out. It's not, you know, this is the alley oop. I've seen the alley oop. Let's go valley oop. I like valley oop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cooler than just the alley oop. So um, first off, that was the most beautiful pass I've ever seen from Jay Crowder. Like that, that was the. That was beautiful. If I was out there, I promise. If I was Zubox, it gets picked off. Jay Crowder knows if he throws it my way, I'm picking it off. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny. If, if DeAndre Dayton doesn't touch that, it probably still goes in the basket. Like, he probably makes that shot. Well, what about Devin Booker's screen? Yeah. Yeah. He, and and with a broken nose, he takes one. He took a hit. Like, Zubox, yeah. he knocked. That had hurt, man. <laughs> And that's the stuff that I think that we miss as as guys watching and talking that the players were saying about Devin Booker two, three years ago. It's like, no, man, he plays the game the right way. He does what he needs to do. He just doesn't have the horses with him to win the race. It's it's, it's not a Devin Booker problem. Because if you well, and he got him, some he got some dog to him too. Yes. Like just like you were saying about Trey Young and like I was saying about Embiid, like he has some can I curse on here or no? Yeah, I don't care. He got some fuck you energy. Like he he has some like like I know he was yelling at Jokic at that at one point and he was getting into it with somebody else, but like Devin Booker has some like I'm hit the shot in your face and then tell you about it afterwards. 
like like like, there's some yeah he got into like a little pushing thing with like pat bev after the game because he was tired of pat bev pat bevin but i'll say yeah pat bev i I would be too i would be too pat bev played one of his better pat bev games yesterday um one of his fouls was was a great block on booker they called it a foul i get it booker is like ascending to superstar so yeah you get that call on pat bev kind of a kind of a, a reputation call he he takes the charge and he forces the ball out of bounds. And here's the thing about that. The two savvy things about those two last plays was he called for the instant replay. Yeah. Like, yeah. He said, no, he no, 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 no. And I don't know how I felt about that. I think that um you don't yeah. have challenges. It's up to the officials to make a decision. And from everything I've heard and read, they're supposed to review egregious calls. Neither yeah. one of those calls were egregious. You made two minutes last like 30 minutes. Some of us on the East Coast want to go to bed at a decent hour or do some other things. And I just think instant replay, man, as it, it, it and I'm going to steal something from Ryan Rosillo. It doesn't get it right. Okay. We don't get that, it right. That, that play specifically. But what did, even after you looked at that play in slow motion, so we're talking about the play where uh, Booker has to go win the game. He dribbles to his right. Pat Bev hits the ball and it, they kind of both push it out of bounds, but Booker's hand was on it last. What did what did you think about the actual outcome? Even though it was technically the right call, out on Pat Bev, like come on, man. Exactly, it's the way basketball works. He yeah. he forced the ball out of bounds. I don't care if it slightly rolled off Devin Booker's finger. Pat Bev pushed it out of bounds. It's like when uh, you're, it's like when you're driving, like you, you may be going to the basket, and then like you you're going up, and they get your wrist, and the ball goes out on you, but the ref missed the foul call. It's like, nah, we're gonna stay here because I missed the foul, but you're gonna get the ball back. You know, it, it's right. It's one of those unspoken things that everybody understands, but then you got the nerds who come infiltrate sports and they and they yeah. want to ruin everything. You know, kind of like in baseball where when we slow down like a stolen base, ah, oh, he popped up when he was getting up. He's out. No, bro. He 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 beat the tag. Yeah. Like Yeah. We're never going to get so, things So that was unfortunate. Yeah. That was unfortunate. Yeah. But, I I you're you're right. It, it definitely slowed the game down for sure. Um I do like the challenge. Like I I like challenges on certain plays. But then even some of them, it's like, all right, it's reversed. They have to jump ball. Like, that doesn't really – that might not benefit them anyway. They might not even get the ball after all that. So now I've wasted my challenge, and I've lost a ball. I, I don't like yeah. the restrictions on challenging. Like, let me challenge whatever I want to challenge. And when you view that play, watch everything that happens. So even if I'm challenging the ball on who the ball went out on, but there's a foul, call the foul. No matter which right. way it goes. If you're going to get it right, get it right. And if it takes yeah. you five minutes to figure it out, go with the original call, man. Like, it should be it should be snap things. It should be 30 seconds, a minute, or less. Yeah, so team. that's – I think you hit it. I think you found the way to fix it. You got to give the officials a shot clock on reviews. You give them what? A minute? You give them 50 seconds? Be like, all right, you have 50 seconds to review this, and then the, re- the review TV turns off. I, I think that's the only way to do it because then – because then you, you make instinctual calls and you have to be decisive, right? Or you have a you or you have a crew on the floor watching the watching the monitor. So when you come over there, they say, Hey, here's what happened, here's what you need to look for, here's my right. recommendation. You got 30 seconds to either overturn me or pick your call. But we're not gonna publish what we say. Like as right. the as the extra official on the sideline watching it, we won't publish what I say. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, you get into, like, scandals and stuff like that. But 
I'm going to let you all know. I'm going to give you the recommendation so that you can get through it much more quickly. Yeah. And, and I will say something that will help this is, as I think everyone who watches basketball heard the, heard the news that they're going to stop calling fouls on the illegal shooting motion when people try to jump up into people or the swing through. And I think that'll help too because it just is another way that players put the game into refs' hands, which we want less of. So I think that'll hopefully eliminate a decision a ref has to make. Because the more the more decisions refs have to make, the more decisions they're going to get wrong. And I, I think that a lot of players, like if more people were to play like KD, the game would be better. Like no flailing. Like play, play ball, and if you're going to fall down, make it because you actually had to fall down, not because you think it will get get you another call. But I'll tell you, as a guy who plays uh, men's league basketball, if you know that you can manipulate the referee, you're an idiot not to do it. Like, I know that if I can't yeah. if I can't find my jump shot, I'm going to get to the basket, initiate some contact, just so I can go to the free throw line. If If I'm pulling up for a jump shot and I feel like you're too close, I already shoot. I already shoot with a slight leg kick. I will slightly exaggerate my leg kick, but I know how to fall. You know what I mean? Like right. you do those little things, and it's like, okay, let me go get this free throw real quick. Give me a little rest and 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 find the rhythm. Now, I don't play basketball on TV. I play basketball in a gym full of sweaty men. So who cares what the TV product looks like? But as right. far as a TV product, the way that Kevin Durant plays the game, and I'm pretty sure there was a conversation in that series with him and PJ Tucker, like, hey. We're gonna we're gonna go at it. Let let us play. This is how we play. This is what we want to do. I'm not yeah. calling nothing. Let it us, was let cool. us play. It was cool. And, and and like like you said, like it's such a black eye in the game. Every time someone goes like this, and so then someone goes like that, and then you look at the replay, and the elbow like comes within three inches of their face, but doesn't actually hit them. It's like, oh, are you kidding? Like it just it's it ugly. just makes the, yeah, it makes the game a lot worse. Um, and and we can we can go into a lot of Skip Bayless takes, but that's LeBron has had a bad effect in the league like that, among other people. Yeah, I mean Dwayne Wade, he he did it yeah. offensively. Kobe did it, drawing the foul on the pump face. Wade Wade was a big proponent of going to the basket and kicking you as he drove to the basket, putting putting his foot out. So I mean, you know, that's why Dirk had to get his revenge in 2011 because what a D Wade did to him in 06. And yeah, yeah I, I'm happy to see that they're legislating out of the game. Um, and for the people who are like, well, what is Trey Young and James Harden going to do? They're going to play basketball. They're still great players. They, they're yeah. used to, they're using it as an advantage because it exists. Right. It's like the great defenders who use the hand check, they used it because it existed. You take it yeah. away, I can still slide my feet. I can still be a nuisance. I just can't hand check as much. But, they might not, they might be like 3% worse. They might be yeah. just like, you know. Like Harden might average 31 instead of 35. It's just something like that. Exactly. And the thing is, James Harden still is just a a great basketball player, a great shooter, a great distributor. Like he looked like the best point guard in the league at times this season. Like James, healthy James, is going to be fine. Now, I did have an issue with people saying, oh, James Harden, another bad closeout game. Bro, he couldn't run the fast break. He was he hurt. He was limping around. Bound. He would walk it up the court or pass it immediately. Like, I'm not going to knock James Harden in this series for that. But let's get back to the final four. So you got Suns in four. I I said yesterday Suns in four or five. So, yeah, we're right there in the same place. I just don't think the Clippers have a chance because of their franchise. And um, 
I like Chris Paul, and my hot take has been um, Suns Hawks NBA Finals. Is that is that your version of the guarantee button? Absolutely, Suns <laughs> Hawks NBA Finals. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. I mean, I, as long as the Suns get there, because that's who. I, I mean, obviously you have a hometown rooting interest, but like, I, I the Suns are my team going forward. I hope Chris Paul finally gets and and to to the point we have just touched upon. Chris Paul's done a lot less flopping this year. Have you noticed that? He's done yeah. a lot less running into people in the on the fast break. You know where they're running behind him and he backs up into them. He's done a lot less of that. Maybe it's because he's trying not to get hurt. But uh, it's been it's been it's made me like him more. It just it's just how it is. Um, on the Eastern Conference side, I'd say I want I'd, I'd want Giannis um, just because I, I feel like it's it's cool when players like Dirk or, or, or like you know just players who have who've put in the time and gotten the MVPs and 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 have been these great players finally get the ring and the recognition because it's part of our rings culture. Like you wanted to talk about, I mean, he won't ever get recognized until he you know, gets there first. So I think it, it would be Bucks. Suns w- would be probably my ideal one, but I'd be cool with Suns Hawks too, as long as the Suns get there. I, I like what a Suns Hawks finals looks like aesthetically because of what we uh, talked about earlier, like minus my fandom. Um, I don't like watching Giannis play basketball. Right. It would be a high scoring, nicely passes, shooting. It would be, it would be a lot of, a lot of good skills on display for sure. Old school versus new school, Trey Young versus Chris Paul. You know, Trey Young, the second coming of Steve Nash, playing in Steve Nash's old city, you know. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker, like, finally on that stage. I think that no matter who goes to the NBA Finals, no matter who wins it, as a basketball fan, I walk away happy. I think the NBA has something to definitely root for because if this playoffs didn't show us anything, is that as star-laden as the NBA is, as much as it's been LeBron, 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 KD, 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 Steph, 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 the league is in great hands. And I think the NBA is shifting more so to the NFL in the sense that, hey, we can promote our league and our players and not necessarily like one or two players to promote the league because Steph didn't make the playoffs. Braun went out in the first round. AD went out in the first round. KD went out second round. You know, and you, Utah just got knocked out. That made things a lot easier. Right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, who got uh, Luca got put out first round. Like yeah. all of these stars, Jimmy Butler's out first round. All the people we love are out and we're still excited to watch basketball because we still have Giannis. It's like ooh. real fans, real fans. I think are still excited. Like, there, there was definitely that narrative that was like, well, this is bad because no one's going to want to watch basketball. Like, well, who did you ask? Like real fans still are cool and, with this. I heard uh, – I was listening to The Herd today, and I think Joy Taylor said that uh, Game 7, Milwaukee um, Milwaukee and, um, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn uh, had, like, one of the highest playoff ratings in a while. And it was, like, it averaged, like, over 6 million uh, viewers throughout. So it's like, hey, people are watching basketball. As long as the basketball is good, people are going to watch it. And, and as you see, we're getting away from – here's something, Sean. You All see right, that right. the super team is 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 not as foolproof as we thought it was. Yeah. The spread it out, shoot threes, layups, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, is not necessarily the best method of winning because it doesn't work 
in small spaces. It works over 82-game season because just the numbers will work their way out. But in a seven-game series and 16 wins that you need to win a championship, you're not always going to get that that high and low because you don't have time for for the variation to correct itself to the mean. And you have to play basketball the way that we learned to play basketball. And guess what? It's a better TV show. Yeah. So and sometimes you just gotta get a bucket. Sometimes you're gonna be eight feet from the basket, someone's gonna be in your jersey, and you just gotta get a bucket. And that's that's not none of this drive and kick crap. You're gonna have it you're you're gonna be looking them eye in the eye, you're gonna have to shoot over them. It's just how, ha- how it happens. How many timely floaters has Trey Young hit like in the playoffs? Yeah, well he he went cold for a little bit against Philly, but he definitely he definitely he definitely hit his fair share of them for sure. And like even that after after the Thibel missed free throw, he comes down, he hits the three, and you were in there, and it was like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. And he didn't, and he didn't necessarily. I don't know what the percentages of like he didn't have a great three point shooting series at all. It no. wasn't about the three, and it was about him creating space because of the threat of the three, and then him breaking down the defense off the bounce, ba- off the bounce, and maybe hitting that that mid range addition to people. So Bro, once I watched him put Joel Embiid on his hip. And then still get the floater off. I go, it's real. It's real. This is not. This is yeah. not spooky. When you can put the biggest person outside of Boban, the biggest athlete in the league, on your hip, and you can still get your floater off, and yeah. you're doing that confidently, it's real. So we differ on who wins in the East, but we're not. We're not like arguing over. It's it's fun now. I mean, the Hawks are playing with house money, so. We talked a little bit about rings culture, and that came up. And for a while, I was somewhat of a slave to rings culture, but it was more so me not digging into sports the way that I should, and it was lazy analysis. Now, don't get me wrong. Can you knock certain players for not having a ring? Sure. It, it, it is something that you can point out. Uh, it like, depends. It's, it's, con- it's contextual. Right. Like, your, your Carl Malone's of the world, I can say a little something because, you know, the years that MJ left the league, whether it was the in-betweens before you and Stockton got over the hump or it was after MJ left, you, you didn't get back. It, it's, a, it's a blemish. But at the end of the day, he's still, what, a top five, top seven power forward. He's still, what, second or third all-time in points. Um, yeah. And, and rings are important. Rings are mm-hmm. absolutely important. But – it's a team game. This is not tennis. This is not golf. There is so much that you do not have control over. Like, you don't control your roster. You don't control your coach. You don't control the other team that you play. You don't control injuries. And I think yeah. that we lose so much greatness. We ignore so much greatness because we get caught up into the ring. Like a Russell Westbrook, for, exa- for example. I know his style of basketball is not championship basketball. It's not. No. But it's still good basketball. I, again, not my style. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. But the stuff that he does is amazing. He does things that nobody else can do. And if we get too caught up in the rings, we don't appreciate a player like a Russell Westbrook or even like a Brad Bill who probably won't win a ring if he stays loyal or a John Wall in his prime or a D Rose in his prime, you know, or a Gilbert Arenas. Like, come on, man. Like, they're great players who did great stuff, who didn't get rings. Then you got Robert Ory, who has hands full of them, one of the greatest role players of all time, calling to be a Hall of Famer. It's like, nah, bro, you're, you're, you're not a Hall of Famer. So what are your thoughts right. on ring culture? 
I think it's easily easiest to sum it up like this. Making the conference finals, as your team just did, is an achievement. It's something you'll look back on regardless of how it ends in a couple years, and you should celebrate it. It's a great achievement for a team. Um, the Sixers, the, the best moment of my basketball lifetime is AI getting to the finals and winning one game and then getting swept the rest of the way out. He didn't have a ring. Uh, we didn't have the better team. We got our we got destroyed the rest of those. I mean, a couple of them were close, but like, like I, we love that team. We revere that team. We like like that team is is full of legends as far as I'm concerned. And they didn't win a title. Um, it should be a good thing to make the finals or make the conference finals. Like getting out of the first round, especially if it's the first time you've done it. Like that's a big thing. I think that we should we should celebrate more than just championships. We should celebrate getting there now. For certain players, like you said, like Carl Malone had a lot of shots where he probably, especially that last shot against Jordan, he should have pulled it out. Like he, he probably should have pulled out a couple of these these championships. And it's only, it's only we judge him by rings because he should have some. But then there's people like Charles Barkley, where like he didn't have a chance. He never had a legitimate chance to win a ring. Yeah, and and the one chance he actually had, Kevin Johnson didn't show up for the first two games, and they got in. I think what was it, two all hole, three three all hole, maybe. Um, so like, uh, you don't hold that against Barkley, um, just because he didn't win a ring. Um, there's just like, yeah, of course. Well, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but but then there's people like Steve Nash where like, you know, things just seem to roll the wrong way every time he got close like that. Our test put back out of nowhere, the Robert Ory screen into the, into the, the deck where Amari got suspended, like just weird stuff. It's and did you know Steve? It's, Steve said he kind of sold it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and what people forget is they won the game that Amari got suspended. I believe they they literally won the game after that. So um, it's it, it's it's not it, we can't just and, and and again it's funny because I think Kevin Durant found that found this out the hard way. He was like, "It's all about rings," and then he got went and got the easiest ring he could get. And he's on record as saying it didn't feel like he thought it was going to feel. Which means it's not about rings. It's about the journey to get the ring also, especially for the player. Um, it's about playing the game. You know, like players like to play. They like to do things. And that, that's a great segue. So listen to this, this, this shit that Rick Buecher said. And I'm going to sum it up. Mm. I played the clip last night. But he was when they were having a conversation about he and Colin about um, whether or not Kevin Durant will be the next face of the league. Because Magic Johnson, you know, with his almighty tweeting self, came out and said, LeBron has one more year, and then Kevin Durant's going to be the face of the league. And Colin's premise was, well, he hasn't been the face of any of his teams. Like, it was Russell Westbrook, then it was Steph, and now it was like when he went down, it became James Harden's team. How can you be the the face of the league? And I go, eh, I hear what you're saying, but you're, you're, you, you, you stand on the anti-Kevin Durant hill, so I know what you're doing here. Yeah. And Rick Buecher's response is, I don't know how you can be the face of the league when it seems like you don't know what you want out of out of basketball. It's like yeah. he, he seems to always be searching for something and he's not he's not satisfied. And I go, yeah, he's not satisfied because he's a basketball purist. If you listen to Kevin Durant talk about basketball, he's always finding ways to improve his game and to do more like he's not trying to score 60. He knows that he can go out and get a 50 ball whenever he wants to. You saw what he did against Milwaukee with limited help. He's trying to score 30 on 15 shots. Mwah, that was beautiful, by the way. 
<laughs> and still get his and still get eight assists and eight rebounds and two blocks and a steal. Like he's just trying to to master all of the small intricacies of basketball. And he wants to do it in different styles. Like he did it with Russell Westbrook. Then he was like, you know what? I like the way they play in Golden State. I want to go try that motion offense with a little bit of ISO basketball. And then he realized, hey, I need a little bit more ISO, Steve Kerr. Like, I don't need you coaching me. Like, I can play basketball. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he builds a team in in in, in Brooklyn. And it's like playing alongside two of the most skilled offensive players of a generation. Let's see how he make this work. I really think he's just a mad scientist who's just in love with the game and just wants to play the game in different ways to see, like, which is the best way to play the game. And if you can't, like, respect that and love that and see that it's it's a love for the game while also putting winning at the forefront of it, mm. I just think you're missing the boat. Or you just have an anti-KD agenda, which some people do because KD's an asshole, because people ask him dumb questions or say things to him that don't matter. He's like, bro, this is why – this is why I don't give you answers because you say dumb shit like this. But that's conversation for another day. I'm yeah, that, fair. So I'm on I'm on the fence a little bit because and, and we should be able. It you shouldn't have to be a KD guy or a KD hater, and that's the only two camps. I'm in between. I think some of his decisions have been have been corny, and I think I think some of his have been great. Like I, I like some of the stuff he says. I don't like some of it. I don't have to like all of it. I don't have to hate all of it. Um, like personally, I think like. Like the the going to Golden State was probably the easiest thing he could have done, but it wasn't. It wasn't like he forced his way out in the middle of the contract. He's allowed to go sign wherever as a free agent. I like that better. Like I'd rather him do that than in the middle of a contract be like trade me somewhere. Um, and then w- with this Brooklyn thing again, he he his contract was up. He went somewhere else. I think that's that's all pretty organic as far as the league goes. Um, I think some of his stuff. I, I think maybe don't respond to every Twitter troll, but I think. You know, if, if 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 you were put in that situation, it'd probably get annoying getting a million people saying fuck you on your in your Twitter mentions every single day. Bro, when I was at the game on game six when John Collins and Embiid had their little their little tiff, the whole yeah. arena is yelling, fuck him B, fuck him B. And yeah, that's cool. But at the same time, when you're living that every other day or like the Ben Simmons every time he touches the ball fans are booing every time he comes to the sideline they're booing like on Twitter the last couple days man I hope Ben Simmons did not log into Twitter the last three days that takes a toll on your psyche and a lot of players view themselves as regular guys like you and I they're just highly skilled at basketball and highly compensated for it and it's like bro why can't I get back at you like you me and you could get into a Twitter beef right now and nobody cares yeah, no. But say 10 years from now, when we elevate in the sports industry, we probably can't do that. Could be like, hey, you guys got to cut that out. Um, the bosses upstairs don't like that. And it's like, bro, we're just friends talking shit. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think it'd be interesting to know, uh, you will never actually know this, but to know how much KD did what he did because of like outside influence. I think it'd be interesting. Because I feel like, like obviously there was a beef in in Golden State a little bit. There was probably a little bit of a, a, a inner turmoil uh, to say the least. But like it'd be interesting to know um, if he left there because of you know the hate he was getting or the narrative people were painting of him. I think it's some of that. I think that he and Steve Kerr didn't have the best of relationships based on comments that have been said since he left. Um, 
the Draymond thing, I don't think it was actually what Draymond said. I think it's the way that the organization handled it because mm-hmm. most of them were like, hey, we'll work it out. Like, yeah, you know, and they have. I think they're, yeah. they've talked to each other since then. Yeah, they're no, definitely they cool. Yeah, Katie, Draymond was on Katie's podcast and like they talked about it. And it was right. one of those things where KD is like going off on Draymond for not passing him the ball. And Draymond is like, bro, who are you talking to like that? I know what I'm doing. I was passing you the ball. And the reason I turned the ball over, because you back there crying about not getting the ball when I was about to give it to you. Yeah. Then you want to keep talking shit on the bench. It's like, hey, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, we we had we had a title before you got here. Like, like, check yourself. And then KD is like, bro, who the fuck you think you're talking to like that? Like, I'm KD. You don't talk yeah. to me like that. And it was just a natural, organic men with big egos going at it. And instead of instead and like and the team was like, hey, you guys, Draymond, you need to go apologize. You need to go work it out. We're gonna sit you down and all this stuff. And then like I think both of them had like injuries or like some little uh, minor injuries where they didn't get to talk for like a couple of weeks. But then finally, like Draymond or KD went to the other one's hotel room. Like, hey, bro, no more of this, bro. Like we we can talk to each other better. Like yeah, and it's normal man stuff. But because the organization tried to inject themselves into some people stuff, and then, you know, uh, what was it? uh, For optics, obviously. For optics, yeah. And then the GM made it. Was it the GM or the owner who made the little little comment at the parade about Steph can get anything, but KD can't? It's like, come on, bro. Like, I get it, but I just feel like they didn't welcome him the way that he wanted to be welcomed. And, yeah, it's Steph's team. It's Steph's city. And part of these basketball players, these high-end basketball players, like, when is KD not being looked at as the guy on his team? Like, hey, nah, bro, this is you, whatever you want, you know? They're not used yeah. to that. And you can't you can't say at the age of 30, hey, you need to unlearn everything that's happened for you. I know you've made over $200 million doing this, but everything you've learned, scrap that. No, I am more successful at this than you are at what you're doing. Stop. So... That's my life, AD Draymond. Adam, can I, can I ask you a question? Um, are you sick of the whole um, narrative where people are always like, you're sleeping on, insert any player here that has a good week? It's like someone has a good week and we're like, yo, we should give so and so more credit. Like, who's not giving these guys enough credit? Yeah. Here's what you I. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. Yeah, so the mainstream media, and this is not me speaking as like a conservative QAnon type. The mainstream right. sports media, they care more about clicks than content. So right. they come up with this stuff that gets people's attention, and then you listen to the eight minute, nine minute segment. And you go, yo, this is trash. This yeah. is hot garbage. Like, what? Where did you? What made you do this? Like, one of the <laughs> things that I appreciate. About Cowherd. Don't get me wrong. Cowherd, he does it too. He's yeah. very, he picks and chooses when he wants to manipulate the ratings, right? And mm-hmm. if you if you listen to him regularly, you know when he's talking about stuff that he cares about versus manipulating the ratings. And a lot of stuff he just won't talk about. When first right. take a carry, undisputed uh, take it, the jump, the get up, all the shows to be running with it. Yeah. And then Colin to be talking about Baker Mayfield in the heart of basketball season. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I, I just think it's 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 bad, man. These 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 show produce these producers, the, the the guys who come up with the content, man, they're they're bad. They're they're just bad, man. And I get. I, I that. think we we could call it like casual culture because yeah. that's the new that's the new insult now. Oh, you a casual? Meaning like 
Oh, oh, you mean you mean you only watch like two games a week, like the rest of us? Like, bro, somebody called me a casual uh, fan of my YouTube comments one time, and I was like hot because I was talking about can Luke can like Luca style and Joker style win a championship, and I was like historically, no player who plays like them has won an NBA championship. The way that Luca plays, high usage rate, you know, and he can't. Luka doesn't have a finishing move right now. He can't get to the bat. Like, where LeBron didn't have a go-to shot, he could get to the bucket whenever he wanted to. Luka can't mm-hmm. do that yet because he's not athletic enough and he doesn't trust his free throws or his just his mid-range jump shot enough when he's contested, right? And then I was like, well, Joker's a finesse big. The only thing, the only finesse big who won a ring was was dirk in my lifetime and it was a very it was an anomaly like that team was like yeah. the perfect team for dirk and the heat had a like colossal colossal meltdown and i'm like and the dude's like you're a casual fan you obviously don't watch basketball because you're calling dirk you're calling dirk a, an anomaly i go bro i don't even want to entertain you dude like <laughs> that you don't see teams like that win championships i was like name another team constructed like that that won a championship maybe the you, you can go Pistons, but even still, like they are not centered around a finesse big as their primary scorer. Like their primary scorer was, I guess, Chauncey Billups. But yeah, Yeah, maybe. Um, Yeah, being called casual sucks. But but national shows are built for the casual fan because they care more about getting ratings uh, instead of providing good content for the people who love it. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I almost stop. I for the most part don't take anything from me as span anymore unless it's a woge like a woge report just because a lot of them are just going off of like plus minus or box score or uh the classic first take line but i, I just thought that this that was so funny to me this year like every couple weeks like dame would go off for 50 and be like is dame getting enough credit for how yeah. good he is like All what do you mean <laughs> like yeah of course he is or like uh i don't know like just pick any even this year like is Chris Paul not getting enough MVP buzz? I'm like, no, because his usage rate's all the way down. His his MVP in the regular season is right where it should be because it doesn't matter as much. Like, he's not, not getting hurt. There's just a lot of, like, stuff where it's like, all right, come on now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, man, it, it's it's tacky. I don't like it. Um, But, shit, we're at an hour 15. LeBron, who, you know, I've been a LeBron guy for years, and he's just starting to wear me out, man. He does not like not being in the spotlight. Yeah. Even when he makes valid points or some stuff, it's just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like, let, let the guys on the court play. You yeah. know, after game, after they got eliminated by uh, Phoenix, and they were like, so you're going to play in the Olympics? Obviously, he's not going to play in the Olympics because he's old and hurt. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just going to gear up with the Toon Squad and, you know, with Book. Like, bruh. You just got put out in the playoffs, man. Like, save that for tomorrow morning's tweet. But this this is this is the perfect way to this is the perfect last subject for this pod. Uh you're right. It, 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 and we love him. We love what he does off the court. We respect him on the court, but sometimes he's a drama queen. It just is what it is. He can be all he can be all those things. You know, I think LeBron is a cornball, but because <laughs> he's so good at basketball and he's so popular. That he gets, he gets a pass, and and like when you're the best at what you do, people go, "Bruh, he got money, he good." Like, 
You can't call him corny. Yes, I can. He hangs out with Drake. Drake is one of the biggest cornballs in the game, but he makes good music and he gets a lot of women. So we give him a pass. Like seeing LeBron and Drake at Bronny's like high school games, I'm like, I wonder how many bad <laughs> like. Oh, I would. Yeah, he 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 has some interesting things that he's passed down to the next generation. A lot of them good. Um, the thing where he gets fouled and he'll roll around for like eight minutes. Is something that I hope dies with him, and it's become one of those things where everyone in the arena and everyone on TV is like, "All right, this—he's not hurt. He's just doing this to make sure the foul. He debates every foul call. There's a lot of that stuff where it's like it, he takes away from his own legacy. Uh, the the dramatic walk off the court in the middle of the fourth quarter, like that, cracks me up. Um, he definitely and, and and you mentioned it though. You you mentioned the tweet. Uh, you kind of mentioned it like subliminally the the tweet that he tweeted about how the league should have not started as early as it did because of all the injuries yeah so fundamentally i think he's right yeah sure you you don't need a 60 day off season for your two finals contenders um and because of the money and the force majeure the league had to do what they had to do to protect the players from the owners LeBron, we don't want to hear that when you get eliminated from the playoffs because yeah. I don't think you say that if you guys aren't hurt. But the thing about the injuries, and I forgot who I got this from, but the percentages aren't different. The problem is no. that the faces are. It's the names. That, yeah. yeah, you remember that Who's one getting hurt? NFL season, the last season Aaron Rodgers missed, we are talking about an NFL injury problem. And it goes, well, no, no, no. It's just a superstar injury problem this year. And look at LeBron's injury. That was not a wear and tear injury. That was a freak injury. Yeah. Kyrie's playoff injury. Not a wear and tear injury. He lands on somebody. It it happens. Kawhi's injury. Freak injury. A lot of these injuries are freak injuries. So they happen no matter how healthy, no matter how hurt you are. Harden. I mean, he came into the season out of shape. You didn't think his hamstring was going to wear out? Like uh, some of the stuff, like it makes sense at least. Uh, reportedly AD doesn't have a great, he doesn't have a great off season body routine, which makes no kidding. <laughs> his body wears out. He gets naggy injuries. And when you have multiple games back to back to back fours and five, now you're not getting the rest you need. So LeBron had a point, but you're only making that point because the superstars are getting hurt. And guess what? The yeah. fans are still enjoying the games, man. I, I, I love a lot of what LeBron does. And why do I have to, to preface this with that? But he has an elitist mindset towards a lot of stuff. And I get it because he is that top 0.01%, uh, both financially and both uh, skill-wise at what he does. So when he's making decisions, he's not always making decisions with the interest of the 12th man on the bench. He's making the decisions for Chris Paul, for, for Kawhi Leonard, for Paul George, for Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's the best I've ever said his name in my life. He um For his legacy also, right. I think. I think so. And, and, and let me just say, now that you mentioned that, I typed Antetokounmpo correctly on one shot the other day, and I was hype. I was fucking hype. That's the shit right there. <laughs> uh, like when he was ready to walk out of the bubble, you know, um, it's like, bro, yeah. do you know what can happen if y'all walk out of the bubble? You're not walking out of the bubble. Get out of here. Financially, you'll be fine. But well, you almost got the feeling that he was doing that so that someone would say that LeBron almost walked out of the bubble. 
Like, he wasn't ever going to walk out of the bubble. He just wanted it to be on the record that he was serious that day, I feel like, you know? Yeah, man, and here's why I've – and you've made a good point. We shouldn't have to be guys of certain people. We should just call it like we see it, say what we like, and say what we don't like. The one thing I really appreciate about Kevin Durant is his authenticity. Um, Does he make legacy plays? Yeah, sometimes. But you feel like you could go grab a beer with Kevin Durant right now and five minutes in, y'all are having a good time talking about something, you know. Whereas with LeBron, I don't even know his real personality because, yo, KD has a podcast. Is is his podcast produced and edited? Yeah, most are. But you still get a real feel for who he is. When he did his whole Bill Simmons run and he was yeah. talking about the blog boys, he was in there hammered and you could tell. And he was talking his shit. Well, the shop. It's like 50 minutes, highly yeah. produced, yeah. bunch of edits. And you go, you can't even give me an authentic, your authentic self in a situation that's supposed to be as authentic as it comes. Like when is LeBron James and Tom Brady in the same barbershop? We'll, we'll say, yeah. <laughs> um, that'll be I'm actually going to watch the episode though. <laughs> oh, I'm going to watch it too. It's, it's, it's usually pre-entertained. And, and you know what the funny thing is? But the antithesis of that is someone that was on the last episode of the shop, Jay Z. I got nothing but authenticity from that guy. But you could tell he was exactly he. he took, you could tell he was exactly who he presented himself as. And, and, and so, to be fair to Braun, and I think everyone who watched who know, who is listening knows this. We're like, if LeBron was authentic and he said something off color or a little like the ruffled feathers, he would get a lot of shit for it. So, like, I think there's. There's reasons he's not authentic. It's because he gets so much shit because of who he is. And not, and I, not to say that means you shouldn't be authentic, but there's a reason. Yeah, and, and I and I understand it, and I and I can't imagine being under the microscope that he's been for so long. So you have to become that way. Just like Tom Brady has just started showing us his real personality. <laughs> now that yeah. he's out of he's out of New England, and he and he just has that fuck you energy because. You yeah. know, Ron gave us a little bit of fuck you energy a while back. Like, even when he came out and did the China piece, you know, and some of his racial stances have been like, hey, LeBron, that's not the most corporate stance to take. And he's just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to let y'all know how I feel. Or, like, when he uh, showed up to the game during the quad season with, with the with, wine. With the wine? Yeah, with the wine, like, yeah. Or even, hell, when he was – um when he had his the, the, the tequila launch and he's there with Drake, like, uh, on an off day – and yeah, we know you don't play to the next night in the evening. You got a whole yeah. day off, but you really you're going to be sitting here drinking tequila, obviously drinking in front of us. And you saw Dennis Schroeder revealed that him and LeBron were the only people on the team not to get vaccinated. So LeBron wasn't vaccinated either. And LeBron, but LeBron said like he wasn't going to he wasn't going to speak on his vaccination piece. And based on what I understand from LeBron. He probably doesn't trust the government. I think he's on he's on that side of the house to where, like, hey, you're not going to put this in me. I don't know what this is. It hasn't been tested enough, whatever, whatever. But I'll tell everybody, I got vaccinated, and I've been pushing through today because I had I got round two this morning, and mm-hmm. it's kicking my ass. Yeah. No, it, it was definitely it was definitely rough for a day. I just – COVID game. We don't have to, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I, I've no, got a lot of vaccines in my life. And I didn't think twice about it. So I'm not going to think twice about it now. I thought twice, but I've had so many. And I was like, bro, whatever. Like, I've I've taken random shots from people. Had no idea what was in it. I've bumped cigarettes off people outside of bars. I don't, <laughs> I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, by the way. 
Um, I've I just Good done, you. you know, I've done stuff like that or just asked a random person, hey, man, let me hit that black and white real quick, you know. And, and it's totally right. unsanitary. It's disgusting. I've waterfalled from too many people to be like, hey, let me now become a germaphobe with whatever's going in my body. I'm like, nah, I put too much filth in my body to, to right. do that. And it's not it's not killing people at a, at a massive rate. And it'll let me travel and go places. Well, anyway, that last part, mainly. Right. So, yeah, we're at an hour and a half, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I, we had draft lottery up there, but I, I'm not ready enough to, and that's going to take too long, and it's fucking 1230, man. Thanks yeah. so much, dog. Yeah, this is cool, man. I, I I really thought I was going to be more bummed, but the last couple of days it's been, you know, our loss finally soaked in. So good, good luck. Good luck against the Bucks. All right, man, appreciate you. And we'll get up sometime uh, before football season and talk because we got each other week one uh, this year to kick off the season. Hell yeah. Maybe maybe we do a uh maybe we do another video pod of the uh the bachelor party, but we'll see. Sounds good, man. Let's get it. Oh shit, that's All not right, Joe. Let's get it. All right, big baby. <laughs> see you, man. All right, Joe.